0: That's the more important thing these days, Huck, I think, is not necessarily chasing the hats and that made us getting bums on seats and making sure those people leave happy to tell everybody else that they know.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. We've had a lot of guests share stories of how they fell into a career in hospitality or the energy and opportunity with the industry took them by surprise and lured them in. What is it about the industry that hooks you for a career in food jamie pierce is the group executive chef of the gambaro group Jamie, how are you?
0: Yeah, good, Thanks, Huck. How are you, mate?
1: Good. It's good to get you on the show. You're a, a busy man looking after many <laughs> venues. How are yeah. things at the moment?
0: Yeah, good, mate. Actually, yeah, it's, like you say, it's keeping us on our toes and we've got a lot of good things coming up at the moment. We've got the Tadinger Ball this week and, you know, a few other things coming up. So, yeah, it's keeping me out of trouble anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us
1: a little bit about the Gambaro Group.
0: So, basically, um, their dad, Michael, uh, started with a fish and chip shop here in Caxton Street and then they got into a family wholesale seafood business, which then opened up into Gambara Seafood Restaurant and then they grew up from there. They ended up with two um, black hide steak restaurants and an Italian restaurant called Personi down in the um, city of Brisbane there. So it's a very long tradition and we've got a lot of old guests that still come and remember the old days and give me the stories and stuff like that which is exciting too at the same time I mean it's good to have that connection of something and you know that stuff so yeah it's been been interesting
1: with with such a long tradition with you know customers coming in over a long period of time does that put pressures on the sort of things that you create for these venues
0: yeah I think it does actually because they they keep you on your toes mate that's for sure that you know they give you the oh when Michael was alive God rest his soul, he passed away a couple of years ago but yeah they say things like that, but they understand the times move forward and they enjoy the new flavours and stuff like that and you go out and have a chat with them and, you know, they offer you some advice, mate, but, you know, the, the price of seafood isn't the same as it was in the 1980s anymore, unfortunately, so.
1: Tell us a little bit about about your role and your day-to-day.
0: So basically, I was asked to come in in January and started the role then. And it was more just to just to tighten the food up and modernise it and get it, you know, looking nice and stuff like that. So I've sort of worked with all the head chefs at the four venues and we've changed the menu and just freshened it up. And we we um, freshened up the restaurant as well. We gave that a facelift in January. So it's all happened quick, but it's happened well. <laughs>
1: Well, tell us a bit about that process. Are there challenges involved in coming on board to a new project and working with a team that was already there to sort of change the game?
0: Oh, for sure, Huck. You know, they, they look at you like, oh, what are you going to do? And... And you're getting to know them, but you've got to earn their trust. I didn't come in all guns blazing, oh, we're going to change the world and, you know, and stuff like that. I sort of let it run for a few weeks and, you know, they saw how I started to work and I watched them work in their strengths and weaknesses and where we were as a team and stuff like that. And I took that process to all the venues. I didn't go in there, like I said, guns blazing. I just went in to help and had a look and did some prep and talked to them about where they were at and, and, you know, sort of slowly gave them the idea of where we wanted the food to head. And, and they've all got on board behind me, which is lucky, thank God, because like you say, one man coming in to, you know, 30 chefs, it's a big deal.
1: The last couple of years have been um, a little bit prickly for most of us and for those in hospitality. Do, do you sort of approach your role and these restaurants a bit differently coming out of that?
0: Oh, for sure. I think you've. I think also people now with the finances the way they are and having not suffered through the last couple of years want to see value on the plate as well. So, we're not giving them all the bullshit and all the bells and whistles if we can help it. We just want a, a good, tasty plate of food that they're happy to pay for and come back again. Well, I want to explore
1: what you guys are doing there with the Gambara group uh, in a little while. But uh, take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did food play for you growing up?
0: I I was not really at home, Huck. I wasn't like a you know we were just brought up on meat and three veg, mate. I had two, I had two brothers and a dad, and we lived out in Central Queensland in the coal mines out in Dysart there. So you know we were a, a coal miner's sons, and we ate like it. <laughs> it was more I got the love more from hospitality, actually, from my grandparents, my mum and my dad's mum and dad. They grew up out. They had a horse stud, ran a horse stud, and that so we'd go out there and any big family dues like 21st or engagements or 50th and stuff like that they'd have it all out there so it was that's when i sort of made the connection you know when i was 10 11 and 12 and went well there's alcohol and food and a lot of people having a good time this this could be a good gig to get involved in later on down the track <laughs> so that's where it actually came from because my father had a You know, big veggie patch that we'd eat from and, you know, they'd do a bit of bartering as well. Like he'd kill some lambs or sheep, say, and go down the road to Rob who ran the dairy farm across the road from his property and swap some milk for for the lamb type of thing. So we'd go down and, you know, we'd be hanging over the side of the vat just drinking this fresh milk. And at the time, you didn't think anything of it. You just thought, "Oh, this is cool," and you're just guzzling this fresh milk, <laughs> you know. Whereas later on, now you think, "Man, what a what an experience!" You know, you don't appreciate something until you're older. So,
1: was a career in food sort of something that you always envisaged as you got a bit older? Or yeah, it was actually, mate. It? Yeah, oh, yeah.
0: I, my dad was a politician for 25 years in state parliament. And when he first got in in the towards, like, 87, 88 there, they came and did an interview in the paper for us and they asked me what I wanted to do when I left school and I said, oh, I'm going to be a chef. So I sort of knew, you know, I sort of knew then I was going to give it a crack and that, so. You know.
1: Tell us about those first steps. Uh, where did you get started in the industry?
0: Well, actually, mate, I actually started a place called the Keg Bar and Restaurant in Mount Cravat, believe it or not, which I hear... You are an alumni of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I am indeed, and well, uh, I, I can tell you, I'm not sure if I learned to cook there, but I certainly learned to have a good time.
0: Well, well, same, Mark. You know, I got a bit of both. So I just, you just need to get your foot in the game sometimes, and just reassure yourself: is this really what I want to do? Without going to the high end type of thing, I just started you know, for the lack of a better term, at the basement and thought, okay, I'll just have a look at this. And like you said, then when the good time went with the cooking, I went, yeah, I'm in the right place. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: tell us about the sort of first couple of years with your career. What were the really sort of important people and venues that helped you sort of start to carve your path?
0: Well, I think after I left the the keg, I went to the Novotel Hotel here in Brisbane. I was only like 18 months old then. So, it was like, I need to get in and see what these bigger brigades and these proper run brigades are about and, and stuff like that. So I, I cracked a job there, luckily, and it was like, yeah, it's a different ball game again now from the keg. You know, it's regimented as in executive chefs, sous chefs, you know, and chef to parties and all that. It was like, yeah, okay, this is, this is cool. It gives you a bit of structure and a bit of, you know, you're learning off guys that have brought different experiences and stuff like that and stuff. I wouldn't really say I had any mentors or any guidance then as such until I sort of got a bit further down my career. But it did it, – I sort of looked at it Huck as in if I'm going to do something, the next step's got to be better than the last one. You know, so that's why I went from the keg to the Novotel and then through the rest of my career it was like if you're going to do it, do it right and give it a fair crack.
1: That's, a, that's an amazing way to approach sort of your career. What, was, what were the next steps for you that took you up to that level?
0: Well, actually, I got a, a cookbook, believe it or not, called Bank <laughs> One Christmas, and I was looking through it and I thought, geez, these guys are on a whole nother level altogether. This is incredible. Read it from cover to cover, page to page, couldn't stop thinking about it, and then I went, you know what? I'm going to write these guys a letter and see if they'll give me a job. <laughs> So back then I just wrote a letter and I got a, didn't think anything of it and I went out went out one night after work and got home and there was a message on the voice machine so I've gone oh who the hell's ringing me now look like, what's going on there so I tapped the button and Liam was on the other end and said if you're serious about a job you'll be here Tuesday morning at nine o'clock and this is sad day. So I've answered this call, this machine on Saturday. He wants to see me at 9 o'clock Tuesday in Sydney. And I was just like, holy hell, like, shitting me pants already before I'd even met the guy. (laughs) So, yeah, hence I went, rushed out quickly, got a ticket and took off and turned up outside Martin Place on the Tuesday morning. And, yeah, and waiting for the great man and he walked in and I was just looking at him like, Oh my god! I was looking at you in a book a couple of weeks ago, and and now you're here giving me, a, you know, taking a risk on giving me an interview, a guy you've never seen before. So was
1: was that kitchen a surprise to you once you started
0: working oh. there? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, those stories that you've had on with Brett Graham, Justin. Danny Masters, like I worked with that, like, I will. Brett left and I took the position Brett left vacant when he went to the UK, so I've never actually met him, but listening on your podcast, all those things are true and more. Like, it was just like, holy fuck, what have I done here? Just standing there like a deer in the headlights, just going, what the hell? But I stuck it out for a year, God knows how, like, it was just, I don't know, it was like this weird drug you get on, like as hard as it was and the hours and stuff like that, you went back for more, like you were getting something out of it, you know, and and like Justin said and, and people like that, Liam is as hard as nails for a reason, but... He'll give you the time of day if you need something like, you know. Like he gave me a TV. I didn't have a TV when I moved down there. And he rolled up in the Porsche one Saturday out the front there. (laughs) I opened up the door and he comes up and goes, there's a TV in the back of my car. I don't want it there when I leave in 15 minutes. Yeah, chef. So I'm out there taking this TV out the back of a Porsche. And the funny thing was going, the night I was going home just quickly was Mardi Gras night. And I lived up in Darlinghurst then, so I'm walking against the crowd and everyone's going, where'd you get the TV, mate? Like, (laughs) you got any more? And I'm just like, how the hell did I end up in this situation?
1: (laughs) That is amazing. You you spent a few years at Key as well. How, how, How different was that compared to what you had experienced at Bank?
0: Well, obviously, Huck, as you know, chalk and cheese with the two men, but just also on two different levels of learning. Like Peter's demeanour just never changed, but you knew when you if you did something wrong, if that makes sense, he wasn't. I don't know. He just gives you that look like your grandfather gave you. Like I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed, and you're just like that'd crush you more sometimes than getting the full-on bollocking and stuff like that. But also just the food style, Huck, like, you know, you look at the man now today, even 20-something years down the track, still with three hats at the top of his game, and you just look at some of the dishes and you go, where the hell did you get think of that? like you know it was incredible like we were there back in the day I was there when the pork belly was there with the scallops and the and stuff like that and then everyone started replicating that and it was just the best ride it was unreal All right.
1: you were part of the opening team at Three Weeds in Roselle which sort of um was ahead of its time with in regards to pubs in that period of time tell us what that was like
0: Yeah, it was different actually. I worked with Daryl Felstead who was bank alumni as well and went and saw him about a job after I left Peter And and he said, yeah, for sure. And I'd never seen anything like it. It was a restaurant inside a pub with soundproof glass in Balmain that was known as a rock and roll fighting pub back in the 80s and that they reckon you'd never go near it unless you had a bulletproof vest on and a buddy and a sword type of thing. And all of a sudden, it's been turned into this magnificent pub and we're serving this food and you're just like, are people going to come? And then within the first six months, we got a hat from the Good Food Guide. So it was like, man, we're onto something here. You know, and it was incredible to see this little pub just thriving. Like, you know, it was packed all the time. It was inc- really good.
1: What was Daryl uh, Felstead like to work with? Do you have any stories of what that was
0: like? Oh, he's intense. Like, he's real intense. But th- the same thing, everything's for a purpose and, you know, and and that came from the training he had as well and and sort of took the rest of us and, on a ride and like you say we were standing in this pub in Balmain and and due to his thought of food and the way we saw things and the things we did yeah it was an incredible time but he is he's serious he's full on but again at the same time outside of work he was great like we'd have a hit of golf you know a bit of a laugh and stuff like that it was just that white line fever you know as soon as the jacket was on it's time to get paid type of thing.
1: We had Morris Tazzini on the show a little while ago talking about the 20 years celebration of Icebergs. Well, what sort of time frame were you involved in Icebergs? Because they've had so many different sort of head chefs through the through the years.
0: Well, I was I was there when Rob Marchetti was there, Huck. So I think we're talking four, five and six, oh, five, six, seven, somewhere around there. Yeah, well, that actually came about. Sort of without really having a plan. <laughs> so my best mate, Damien, was the head chef at Icebergs. And I was at a bit of a loose end as to do I go home now or do I stay in Sydney? I don't know. And and he said, "Oh, why don't you come down to Icebergs for the day and just have a look? You know, it's different to anything we've done because we worked together at Key and he'd been at the Hyatt with Danny Drinkwater and stuff and Ross Lusted and that. So we had similar backgrounds. And he said, do You want to come down for the day? I went, Yeah, yeah, why not? Got nothing better to do. So I came down and got got in my uniform and looking around. I thought, this is pretty cool. And, you know, we're talking and then Rob happened to start prepping beside me. So he's asked me a few questions and saying, Oh, I see you at bank and Damien said you're at Key and I said, Yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. And so he goes, Oh yeah, we left it at that and I got to the end of the day and I said, See you, Damo, thanks for having me got dressed and i'm halfway up the road there to bondi junk up to the bondi thing there campbell parade to get a bus and i get a phone call and he goes where are you i said oh, i'm just about to get on the bus he goes uh, can you come back and rob offered me a job and offered me a good salary and stuff and i thought oh okay why not and so i thought here's me going i'll oh, just ease my way into this italian gig you know i'll start in Larder." and see how it all rolls and then i'll move me way up hopefully not straight on pastas and risottos mate <laughs> it was like oh man this is a stitch up is it <laughs> but Huck, it was unreal i loved it i loved every minute of it the produce we used the team we worked with the food we were doing it was yeah it was really good i'm glad i did it in the end i don't regret a day of it
1: it's an extraordinary experience that you had in some of the like legendary venues in Sydney. What was it like for you going back to Brisbane after that experience?
0: It was a bit tough, to be honest with you, because I suppose I'd had it so good in the sense when I did come home, I didn't. you don't realise what you had until it's gone type of thing. And I struggled a little bit. And the partner I had at the time, Carissa, I met through, a, a, she was a food rep. So she'd seen a lot of chefs around Brisbane. And then to save, you know, so she could understand, we went down and had a look to Sydney and we went to Icebergs and Keen. She went, Right, I get it now. And when we came home, you just, I just had to adjust my mindset. You know, it's like when, when chefs have said to you, You know, oh, I had to come back from the UK and things are a bit different. It was the same even coming back to Brisbane you know it didn't it was just yeah I just had to accept what it was and just go with it type of thing.
1: Tell us about your time in Brisbane since moving back there Uh, what's been the real sort of important venues um, as you built your career in Brisbane?
0: Well to get my foot back into Brisbane I had a mate um, Brent Farrell who had a Russell Armstrong's old restaurant in Toowong and he sort of was the helping hand coming home. He said, mate, I'll give you a job tomorrow if you want to come back home. He goes, I've got a young brigade. We could use your experience. You know, awesome. So I went, great. There's my foot. At least that's taken care of going home. But obviously, you don't want to mix mates and work and pleasure and things like that. So I did a year. I said, I'll do a year and then I'm out. And I found these brothers uh, Matt Christensen and his brother, Ben, I think it was. I can't remember his brother's name now. They opened up this place called the Crosstown Eating House in Wollongabba, built it all themselves, and they wanted to do the share plate style casual music in the background. And I went, oh, I can't see if this might work. And I loved it. It was so good. It wasn't full à la carte. We were just putting up share things and people were just having a good time the beer and wine were flowing the music was on and it felt just so right if you know what I mean like we're putting up good food but there wasn't that massive pressure of wanting to chase hats or maintain or you know type of thing and I really sort of found my groove there and, and unfortunately then the boys made a business decision to split it all up and that so I sort of moved on from there and went and did a bit of work with david pew at restaurant two and stuff and then i was like oh, what am i going to do and then hence as it happens mate jake nicholson came up and was looking for chefs for blackbird bar and grill so i went and had a chat with jake and jumped on board the opening team there and so that was a good learning experience as well like obviously they were building multiple venues as well and and watching this thing come together and, and Jake organise it all and stuff was a, was a really good learning curve. And, that, and But the place I spent the most time at in Brisbane is Montrachet. So Shannon and Claire Callum brought it off Terry Gallachet and then a few weeks later I went and got a job with them and I ended up spending five and a half years there. So we moved it from Paddington to Bowen Hills, you know we opened up a bakery on King Street round the corner, and then we also opened up Lumiere Cooking school and everything they've got over at mercedes so that was a great time we were you know winning hats and getting great write ups and and everything like that and so yeah it was a really good time of life you know to-
1: tell us a little bit about brisbane you've um you know you grew up in Queensland and you've seen the culinary landscape change to what we see now with Brisbane. How much have you seen it change?
0: huck! Uh, even since I came back from Sydney to now, mate, it's phenomenal. Like, you know, you've got Tim Scott doing what he's doing at Exhibition. You've got Ben Williamson over at St. Agnes and Bianca and same Sam and, and they're all high-quality restaurants. You've got Sarah over at Joy doing her thing with the 10 seats, which – I was lucky enough to go the first week they opened when her and Tim had it together then and, and you just go, wow, why does anybody else not think of this? Like you're going out on a limb with 10 seats, 20 covers a night and look at them, you know, they cleaned up at the Good Food Guide Awards that year and stuff like that. So you think, you know, it's, yeah, it's unreal. The food scene now and the, the restaurants that are opening and the sh- quality of chefs that are here, it's really good to see. The
1: climate in uh, Brisbane is a little bit different to S- Sydney and Melbourne. Do, do, do restaurants sort of, tr- do you treat restaurants differently and clientele differently in Brisbane because of the city and the climate?
0: Yeah, a little bit, Huck, but I think gradually they're coming around now. Because they, you know, especially if they're business people and they travel or they see food so in your face on TV now, whether it's MasterChef or things on SBS or, you know, YouTube and, and podcasts like you're doing, people are more aware now too and go, you know, yeah, I'm happy to pay for that. If, if that's good, I'm happy to pay for it. You know, I think they're slowly coming around to those ways now.
1: You mentioned uh, your time with Jake Nicholson with the opening of Blackbird and our opening multiple venues. Um, tell us about what you took from that time to sort of the role that you have now looking after so many different
0: venues. I think we, I think Jake's biggest thing is his organisational skills. Like he just has every box ticked. There's no, oh, I'll get back to you type of thing. He, he had a plan. And he and he followed it through. Like even even when we got to opening, doing the food, everything was already printed out. What we're doing here's all the menus. There's all the things. Let's go for it, <laughs> you know. And and he, and you could approach. You can approach Jake. You could walk up and say, "Look, you'd want to just show me how you want this done exactly." Like even with experience, you sort of got your own idea, but it's not my idea. It's his. And, he, and he's good like that. There was, no, <clears throat> there was no real screaming, you know, and it took a bit to get going. Don't get me wrong, Huck, like we got smashed from the moment we opened and it was some long days and some hard days, but it was – it kept rolling, if you know what I mean. Like it, it never felt like it was stalling. Every day it felt like it was gathering momentum and and that's the way I had to approach coming into Gambaros, you know. You, you've got to have the answers and you've got to have the plan and, and those things going forward. People are looking to you to steer the ship and follow you, you know, and if you're confident in what you're doing and have the answers and that you win them over quickly because they go – Man, he is organised. He doesn't – he's not just blowing wind up our arse. He's willing to walk, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk type of thing.
1: What does it take to get organised like that? What was it like for you?
0: Oh, I had – luckily, Huck, before I started, I had about a month and a half off on a holiday and that so it gave me plenty of time to write ideas down and I went and I went and ate in each of the venues to see the style they were doing and would my style fit into this and and stuff like that and also you know I've been lucky as well I've had great support since I've been here from John Gambaro and Zach our chief operating officer and that they've been great giving me all the support that I need and and you know giving me a bit of feedback and stuff so because it's the biggest thing I've ever done It's, you know, it's hard enough running one, let alone keeping your finger on all four type of thing for sure. So, it it, it caused you a few headaches and then other days you think, man, this is the best job in the world, you know, so.
1: You, You mentioned about sort of you checked out all of the restaurants to see their style and see how your style might fit in. Tell us a little bit about your cooking style and your approach to food.
0: I keep it simple. I don't try to overcomplicate it. And, and if anyone's seen my Instagram page or the Gambaros now and stuff like that, it's very – I know it sounds too weird to say, but just along the lines of Peter Gilmore, it's just clean and neat. I'm not drowning things in heavy sauces or trying to hide five things under five other things and stuff like that. Like some of the dishes we do are three-element dishes. You know, like at the Black Eyed Steakhouse, we just put on uh, sweet and sour roasted capsicum with basil pesto and toasted pine nuts, you know, to go with the nice tomahawk steak or, you know, things like that. And that's the style like I like to be in, I suppose. I don't overcomplicate things. So I leave myself open for ridicule occasionally, obviously, but, <laughs> you know, where's the rest of it? Well, try it first. <laughs> So, you know, it's always good to have that too. And it opens up, gives the the guys I work with a chance to go, oh, right, okay, he's not making us prep 20 things for the sake of if we can get good flavour out of three or four.
1: Mm. The Gambaro Seafood Restaurant is sort of at the heart of the whole group. Tell us a little bit about that restaurant and, and the amazing sort of, do you have any stories of the seafood suppliers or some of the seafood that you you use?
0: <laughs> yeah, we we. Well, like you say, it's just all about fresh as best here. Like if it's not, not any good, we we send it back. But a lot of the main the main supplier we use up here is Sam at the fish factory over in Morningside and stuff like that. And he his boss brought out the Gambraro arm of their wholesale seafood. So I've been lucky enough to pick up a supplier that knows the standard we're after straight away. And stuff like that. Or you get people come through the door, like the Llewellyn Estate oysters. The, the lady was here the other day having lunch. And then she came back in the afternoon and goes, oh, would you guys be interested in using these? And all of a sudden, I'm learning about an oyster that's way down around the coast on WA there that I'd never even seen before out of the pearl meat family. So it's like, yeah, there's just things like that. Or there's a guy in Gladstone now that you know flies down mud crabs to us and stuff that he just catches himself. Sticks them in a styro, punches a few holes in the side and says, see you later, fellas. And we just pick it up at the other end out at the airport and stuff. And these things are monsters. I don't know what they're feeding them up in central Queensland, but, Christ, they're massive. (laughs) And people are already noticing the change in the quality of that too. When they buy the whole crabs, they're just full of meat. Like, you know, it's just – yeah, just things like that. I've learnt – you know, seen so much seafood coming through here now, but and it's also about setting that standard too and teaching my guys that if it doesn't look like this or it's not like that, send it straight back no questions asked. So it's been a good experience for us all. We're all learning off each other.
1: You mentioned it's the biggest gig that you've had. Has the role changed you?
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't get as I don't get as uptight <laughs> because also you know that's the thing. You're a bit like a. You're a mentor. You're a mate. You're a shoulder to lean on. You've got to work all these different personalities and and stuff like that because dealing with so many different chefs and different situations, you've got to understand them and and stuff like that. So sometimes, yeah, I, I don't. I ask first and then deal with it in a different way that I probably would have before and stuff, and especially with the skill shortage these days, mate, you've got to be careful. <laughs> They're harder to replace these days than the old days.
1: You mentioned that the group is on the move and there's some things in the down the track. What's, what's, what's planned for the next year or two?
0: Well, we're actually building the new casino here down on the riverbank there and we've got a restaurant going in down the bottom of the casino. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting. We're going to have a big 300-seater in there. And then down at Snapper Rocks, down on the border there near the Tweed, we've got a, a cafe and a restaurant going in down there. So we've got a cafe downstairs and we'll have a big restaurant um, upstairs overlooking the ocean down there at Snapper Rocks and stuff. So hopefully, mate, it'll be Queensland's answer to icebergs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if you weren't busy already, it sounds like you're going to be pretty busy. Um you've done some amazing things over your career and it sounds like some pretty exciting things in the works what what do you what do you love about what you do
0: i suppose yeah every day's different and every situation's different you never sort of get the same thing twice and i don't know you just you you look at something on a plate sometimes and you think 3 hours ago i just started with a box of stuff and now i've got that <laughs> You know and you just look at things differently as you get more into this role as well and chefing and stuff you yeah you just take it I don't know once upon a time you used to take it for granted I suppose that everything's just good and you use good and this is what you do and I think as you get older you just start to look at it a bit differently and and you, you know now with Instagram people sending you messages going oh my god I just ate that dish it was incredible or you know and things like that it's like and that's that's the more important thing these days Huck I think is not necessarily chasing the hats and that mate it's getting bums on seats and making sure those people leave happy to tell everybody else that they know you know so
1: well Jamie you're an inspiration and uh, a bloody good yarn too it's an it's honor to have you deep in the weeds today to hear your story
0: Well, oh, thank you for having me mate it's been great
1: well please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon
0: no worries thanks for that Huck
1: this is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at podcastdeepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.